You are listening to Bicycle Retail Radio, brought to you by the National Bicycle Dealers Association. Before we begin, the NBDA would like to offer a sincere note of thanks to associate member Bike Flights for their continued support of the NBDA and retailers at large. Bikeflights.com is a bicycle shipping service and a supplier of bicycle shipping boxes offering low costs, excellent service, and on-time delivery. Since 2009, Bike Flights has made it easy for more than a million people, including individuals, bike shops, events, and cycling industry businesses, to ship bikes, wheels, and gear with confidence. They've been working to get more people on bikes, plus have been advocating for safer roads and more and better trails to ride, race, and explore. Bike Flights is a company that's committed to sustainability. Learn more at bikeflights.com. Welcome to another episode of Bicycle Retail Radio, produced by the National Bicycle Dealers Association. This is Heather Mason, NBDA President. Specialty bicycle retailers are the heart of the cycling industry, and since 1946, the NBDA has existed to strengthen these businesses through education, research, communication, and advocacy. We truly believe when we create thriving bicycle retailers, the industry and the cycling community follows. The NBDA is a non-for-profit supported by the membership of participating retailers and industry partners. If you're not already a member and you'd like to learn more, you can join and learn more online at nbda.com. Today's guests are from Biloxi Bicycle Works in Biloxi, Mississippi. Co-owners Daniel Wygenus and Bart Luther are turning heads as they drive cycling into the local community of Biloxi. Biloxi Bicycle Works opened around the same time the pandemic started shutting down businesses in America. The bicycle store promotes the benefits of daily exercise and welcomes all into the store to expand their knowledge surrounding their own physical fitness and what the Gulf Coast has to offer. Focused on biking, running, and swimming, Daniel and Barr are embracing the true impact a local shop can have on a community by working with Coastal Mississippi's tourism, providing opportunities and guidance for physical fitness. Avid cyclists themselves listen in as we get to know the team, the store, and how they enjoy helping others experience the great outdoors and improve their overall health and well-being. Personal friends of mine, I'm so excited to welcome Daniel and Bart to Bicycle Retail Radio. Thank you both for coming on the show. Thank you, Heather, for having us. Thanks, Heather. Really appreciate it and great to be here. Oh, God, I want to start with some background. But first, Daniel, I mean, we have known each other for like my Merck's days. I mean, how long? It's been a long time. <laughs> it has been a long time. Yeah. Merck's days, goodness. It was what, six plus years ago? Seven years? I don't know. I, I've lost track of time over the whole COVID thing. Time does go fast. And I remember the first time I met you, I think was at an inner bike show. And I don't even remember an actual physical retail store, like being on your radar at that time. I think you were doing some other things in the industry. So when you opened a store, it came as a Big shocker to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were kind of in a different space. Um, we started online and then went into retail, into brick and mortar. Our online side of the business was and still is significantly focused on supporting military veterans, active duty reservists, and government employees. So we definitely made a bit of a pivot there. That's, that's not traditional. A lot of companies go from retail to online. We went the other way. And then on top of it, you decided to open a retail location at the start of a pandemic. Like, guys. I should caveat that because uh, (laughs) we signed all the lease agreements and had everything planned out before the word COVID even came into the lexicon. 
So <laughs> it just happened to be that the pandemic occurred at the same time, shortly afterwards. <laughs> I, but, I think uh, that I first heard COVID when we we're building out the shop, putting in our light fixtures, and, and Daniel had mentioned, hey, have you heard of COVID? So by this time, I had already quit my accounting career, and it was full into building a retail store, and it all came as a big surprise. Yeah, you look back at it now, you know, those first couple weeks when COVID was here, it was like, okay, we're going to have to hunker down for like a couple weeks. And then it was like a couple (laughs) months and now it's 2022. Bart, you just said you quit your career as accountant. So what was your past experience before opening a store? Well, I've had 20 years in the business as being an accountant, not in the bicycle business, but in private industry. And I finished off my career at a local, very good company. And I was their controller. So after 20 years, I was looking at the next 15 years saying, can I sit behind the desk? And I really wanted to follow my passion of cycling. Luckily, life kind of let me embrace that as far as, you know, my children are grown and, you know, it kind of already had some success. So I figured it was if I was ever going to do it, now would be the time. So, you know, having Daniel as a business partner, I said, I don't think I could be in a better situation. Let me hang my hat on this and see what happens. I love that. Daniel, I feel like we're like super close friends, but I actually don't know like what your career was pre-cycling <laughs> industry. Yeah, happy to give you some background there. So I started early out of college in the large form printing industry. So think, you know, billboard banners, that kind of stuff. And then went into the aerospace industry, worked in corporate America for a while. This was, this feels like it's ancient history. This was the housing crash around that time, somewhere there. Anyway, and then from there, went back into the print industry and actually ended up working for one of the companies that does all the stuff for the Super Bowl. So if you see a Super Bowl, you see all the signage and that's what we did. And from there, really started looking at, you know, what do I want to do next? And started going into the cycling space. It had always been something I'd grown up with, had kind of fallen out of favor, if you will, like it happens for some people, went back into it and it really became a thing and started working on it. And e-commerce was still in its early, early days at the time. And we were fortunate enough to partner with a couple of brands that believed in us and, and gave us a start. And from there, really started to grow and putting more effort into it over time. And I spent also a fair bit of time in the world of software development and all of that. So all of those things really combined to give me the broad background to have the structure and the support that we needed for the business. And then Bart's absolutely amazing talents and talking to people, working with people, his relationships, everything else really made it kind of a a no brainer as we started talking and it's like, let's do this with going into the retail side of the business. Having spent time with both of you, I can totally see how complimentary you are to each other. But how actually did you meet? Like, how did the conversation come around that you were like, let's start a bicycle store together? Surprise, surprise. It, It happened on a bicycle ride. (laughs) Um, we we had a local ride called the destroyer which was kind of a renegade faster ride and of course daniel started showing up for those and so i got to meet daniel i got to like daniel i found out he had quite a an interesting business background and i think likewise he found out i did as well we both had a passion for cycling lifetime passion for cycling so we started talking about it as we were rolling down the road at probably 20 plus miles an hour what a that's awesome. I love that. Now, so our listeners know this. Daniel actually lives in the UK and Bart is in Biloxi. And I asked this morning for some photos to go with the podcast. And Bart sent me like a ton of photos of them riding together. So they do actually still ride together and spend a lot of time. But 
Guys, how do you split the test? I mean, such a unique thing, Daniel. You just moved recently, I think, in the past couple of years, or correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, I moved in the middle of the pandemic. So I've been there close to a year and a half now. Um, I don't recommend that, by the way, moving in the middle of a pandemic to a foreign country that's dealing with lockdowns. It's no fun. <laughs> but no, so, you know, you asked earlier about the background and working in the software space as well. I spent a lot of the time working with people across the globe. We had people pretty much scattered all over the planet who were working for the company. So I was very familiar with doing Zoom. Before Zoom meetings and all that became fashionable in the pandemic, I've been doing it for years. And so with my role in the business and the fact that I'm really more the behind the scenes guy, what I do is pretty much give me an internet connection, laptop, couple of nice big computer monitors, and I can rock and roll all day long. And so with that, I can do that pretty much anywhere. And it, it makes the UK actually kind of great because my mornings, everyone here is still asleep, which means I get to really focus. And then with Bart being on the, the sales and the retail side of it, um, being here, it really seems to balance things out really well for us. And it also gives me perspective to see what's going on firsthand in the European markets what the latest and greatest is there. As we know right now, e-bikes, Europe is massively ahead of the US in that. And I get to see how that space is evolving and seeing what the infrastructure is doing and then taking some of those ideas, honestly, back here. And then Bart will sometimes also have those discussions with the city, et cetera, from, hey, we're seeing these kind of things. We were talking about a bike share, bike rental program here for the city locally. And we're able to pull some of those ideas that we see in those other parts of the world and take those ideas and bring it back here to the U.S. Wow. I think part of the compliment is, too, is, is we're both workhorses. So it's not that I feel at all jealous that Daniel's in the U.K. maybe doing you know business on a cool train going to London or something. We both work a lot. And I think we both know that. Boy, so there, do there's we. Definitely, I told Daniel, you know, when we started, I said, hey, look, I'm the old dog that wants to stay home. So I'm perfectly happy staying around Biloxi watching the shop. And Daniel likes to travel. So he gets to kind of do what he does in a very excellent manner, uh, you know, out and about around the world. Yeah. I mean, being someone who's worked with both of you, you know, Bart, I'm constantly seeing you just drive the community, just get your community excited. You're leading rides, you're making events at the store. And Daniel, you're always emailing me, like looking at like the, you know, the data part of things and asking me you know, <laughs> about supply and industry. So, you know, I get to work with both of you. So you're on this bike ride, you're brainstorming about the store. What was your mission vision? Like, what did you two feel that you could do different or bring to the industry that hasn't already been done? Or, you know, yes. I that's the wrong way to phrase that, but you know what I'm saying? No, I, I get where you're going with it. I think it's a great question. So for us, you know, we both really have a passion about cycling and I think pretty much anything on two wheels, but particularly the kind where we, you know, hammer our guts out. But one of the things that we really look at is say, hey, you know, there's so much appeal to cycling, whether you are that, you know, gravel grinder, mountain biker, going for a Friday evening ride, commuting, whatever that is, there's just so much and you, you end up riding, you have a bad day, you end up riding and you just feel better, right? And we really looked at it and said, hey, we want to do more of this. In the online space we're at, one of the reasons we started was because not everyone can get to a bike shop. It's a good bike shop. So that was part of the motivation on the online side. And with retail, I'd really been itching to get into retail because I believe that a lot of retail wasn't done right. It needs to be an experience. And you need to just walk into a store and just go, ah, I belong. This is awesome. I like it. You want to spend time there just for the sake of spending time, not doing a transaction. 
So we really started talking about that and there was a lot of opportunity on the coast as well. So our take on it, I think, is really, you know, making sure we get people on bikes and translate that passion that we have to other people and getting them involved and being part of that what is an amazing community. And long term, to go more towards the vision element of it, really what I think there the thing is, is we want to be that destination that people come to, they hear about and go, you know what, I'm here near on the Gulf Coast. I want to go check this place out because I've heard so many things about it and be part of that awesome community. And I think we've seen some of that in the COVID years as well with people coming from all over, sure, to find bikes as well, but also just to see what we're about, to see, you know, the Friday evening rides we hold here that, you know, we have 40 plus people that sometimes show up, especially during the summer season. And we actually have Bluxy PD here helping us navigate the streets because the crowd is that big. And, you know, we've got patrol officers on bikes that are helping and work with the intersections and all of that. So there's really a lot to it that is part of that. That's what we want to continue growing and spreading it further and further. Right. And full disclosure, of course, I love sharing the passion of cycling, but a little bit selfish is I really love the Gulf Coast. I've lived all over the world. I've lived in, you know, a lot of places in the United States that are premium, nice spots. But I felt like we needed more of a cycling culture. And I said, the best way for me to build this is to open a shop. So, you know, I really wanted to showcase what the Gulf Coast has to offer. Like Daniel said, it's so diverse. We have everything from nice beach cruising to gravel riding to, in my opinion, some of the best road riding in the country. We have awesome trail riding. We've got great gravel riding. And I wanted people to know about it. And I didn't want to have to travel all the time to do it. So, you know, we can do this all on the Gulf Coast and having a bicycle shop and really pivoting to more of a like a central spot of the Gulf Coast to showcase this out of. I get to do it on a regular basis with fantastic people. I think I know what you're doing is working because, you know, we're planning a P2 event. By the time this airs, the event will already have taken place, but we're bringing a group of, you know, 20 plus retailers to Biloxi. And as I've been planning it, working with the tourism, working with the other retail establishments, everyone's like, oh yeah, Daniel and Bar are awesome. Oh yeah. So like it's, everyone's embraced cycling and they want to help bring people into the community, which is, it feels really good. I mean, how's it feel, guys? How are you feeling since opening a shop and looking what you've done to your community? How does that make you feel? Gosh, I'm overwhelmed with that question, really. Just because it, it makes me feel good that I'm part of a much bigger picture, maybe even a bigger picture than I first even imagined going into it. Um, you know, being on kind of a higher end race level cyclist, sometimes you have to be selfish with your training to hit those goals. And I always thought it felt good being on a podium. I'm finding out the feeling of actually helping people get into cycling, find fitness, see that natural smile that comes out of their face is much more rewarding than any podium I've ever been on. So it's an overwhelming feeling when I'm rolling through Biloxi and people have good stories about, hey, you sold my neighbor a bike and I see how happy he is. I want a bike. You know, it's fantastic helping even nowadays with, you know, commuting being more of a integral part of a city to be a part of that and be able to let people you know, take less trips in their car and more on their bike and seeing what that does, not only to their pocketbook because they're saving gas, but to their overall psyche, just knowing that they're doing something good for the environment and something good for themselves. So uh, it's an overwhelming, great feeling being part of this whole culture. 
There's a lot there. I have goosebumps right now. And, you know, I'm thinking about it. It is a great feeling. Also, this is a podcast that's listened by bicycle retailers. We're constantly telling them, engage your community, engage your community. Guys, it is good for the shop profitability wise too, correct? You know, I don't want to push that aside. Has being involved in the community really, you know, driven sales and helped you maybe not having to do so much marketing because it's more authentic or... It's definitely that authentic feel. And of course, Daniel could chime in because he looks at the numbers a lot closer than I do sometimes. But it is true. I mean, when we have, let's say, our Friday night fun ride and we get 40 or 50 people in front of the shop, the cash register stays busy, you know, and really that's not why we did it in the first place. We did it to get the community out there. But, you know, after people find our products in the shop that have been handpicked and they can ask us, you know, what light do you use, Barter? Or what should I put on my bike for hydration? And I can honestly look down and show on my bike and say, well, this is what I use. Um, but in your circumstance, this might be a good product. So they see that we sell products that we believe in and they don't mind buying those products. And, and actually, I think they like to support the shop because we are supporting the community. So yeah, it does drive sales. But you know, once again, I don't think that that was our original purpose of actually filling these rides thinking, you know, we're gonna make sales doing this, but it is a good after effect. And it's nice to see people with quality gear on their bikes and quality bikes where they're not having these problems before the ride with, you know, maybe some sub-quality products that people were riding around on. So it, it makes the ride much better when everybody shows up with a bike that's working and, and gear that is letting them ride at a nicer level and keeping them more comfortable. So yeah, that's right. been a, a, a good driver. I'm so with you. When we used to do shops at a rise at my store, it was not about selling. It wasn't about like it was about building community, but at the end of the day, I wanted everyone to have the great stuff that I was using so we could all go do the ride together. You know, like right. that's what it was about. So. I could tell from the beginning when we started doing this, when we're having to tune everybody's bikes pre-ride to now, we can pretty much all meet up and ride. Or it's segmented to a, to a smaller group that are showing up for their first time. And you don't have to fix everybody's bikes. You can just kind of concentrate on that one person, make them feel welcome. And then also let them know that there's other options for cycling gear because some people don't know what's in a bicycle shop. And I want our bicycle shop to be that welcoming shop where you don't feel like you have to buy something, but you can come in and get knowledge. And it does open up that mind to, well, this is why people come to a bicycle shop rather than, you know, maybe a department store or something. Yeah. Daniel, Bart, why Biloxi? Like, I mean, we've been talking about Biloxi. I love it. But is Bart from there? Like, how come? <laughs> Yeah, well, Okay, I was going to say, Daniel can speak on some of the demographics, but I've fallen in love with the Gulf Coast and the friendly people here and really that opportunity for outdoor lifestyle that I don't think you can find in a whole lot of areas as far as that, that's untapped. You know, it's not crowded here. We've got great roads to ride on and, and, and other, you know, kayaking and stuff. We can do that all here without being in these massive crowds. So there's something about Biloxi that really has captured my soul. And when I say Biloxi, I also mean, you know, the Gulf Coast. So when we were looking at opening up a bike shop, I think Daniel and I both pinpointed Biloxi as a spot that needed a good local bike shop. They've had them in the past. You know, for one reason or the other, they didn't make it. And some of it was, you know, maybe Gulf Coast storms. You know, a lot, a lot of things have happened on the Gulf Coast. But the timing was right for Biloxi to have a good 
bike shop and something that was also going to be more than just a shop, but a, a center for people to find health and fitness. As you know, sometimes Mississippi has a stigma of being an unhealthy spot. Well, we wanted to show that the Gulf Coast was not that unhealthy spot. Or if you did happen to find yourself in a place where you weren't feeling as healthy as you might want to be, we want to be that place too, where you can come in and ask questions and about fitness. And it doesn't always have to be about bicycles, but just fitness in general. So I think Biloxi was open. And then Daniel, of course, is a little bit more analytic. So he did some demographics. And maybe you can speak on that a little bit, Daniel, because when I said Biloxi, you were right with me. Yeah. And, you know, having lived on the coast myself, not, not quite as long as you have, Bart, but it's a place that I really came to love and be passionate about and, and see the opportunity with it. It's an area that, you know, even I think with Katrina, as much of an impact as it had here, the news organizations, the media tended to focus on New Orleans. And you kind of end up realizing that this area is sometimes forgotten. But in a way, because of it having been forgotten, there's also so much opportunity here. And it's a perfect blend of small town enough that you can run into people you know on a regular basis, but it's big enough that you can also disappear and be anonymous if you want to be. It's kind of that sweet spot that I personally love. And I think its only shortcoming here is that we don't have mountains here on the coast. I grew up in the Rockies. So for me, that's it's like I miss my mountains. But I can also just go up you know, into Birmingham or northern Mississippi and get into the mountains there. And there's some absolutely amazing riding within a couple of hours if you really want to grind those you know, 10, 12% grades and just punish yourself. So it's absolutely so much opportunity here and such a such a great culture. People are friendly and you know it's a place that you can call home and enjoy right. calling home. And I think Daniel and I both grew up in areas where cycling was maybe an integral part of the community. I mean, I grew up in the Rocky Mountains as well, so you know, the front range of Colorado, Fort Collins, Colorado. So I grew up where bicycle infrastructure and the bicycle was just part of life you know, from a young age. And I really like where I live. So I wanted to make sure that we brought that culture here so I can enjoy that right here without having to do a lot of traveling. Growing up in a cycling community definitely does something to your soul at a a young age. And I wanted people here to experience that as well. And I want to get into how you're actually working with the community and how you have really bolstered cycling. But I quickly want to touch on the shop location because I've seen, I haven't been there. I'll be there next week, but I've seen some images of the building. It looks very unique. Can you tell us about how you found the building and some unique qualities about the store? Yeah, absolutely. I I have to thank Daniel for that. (laughs) Daniel, I was looking at some other locations, so maybe some budget locations, and Daniel had a, a little bit bigger vision, and he came up with this cool building that I didn't even have on my radar. I must have passed it a hundred times without looking at it. So, Daniel, thank you for picking that location because it has been great. Daniel, tell us, how did you find it? And tell us about it. Yeah. So, you know, having having lived on the coast for a number of years, I was pretty familiar with the area. And, and as Bart mentioned, he'd been looking at some buildings. And some of those definitely had a potential, but it was not one of those spots where you go, that's the spot. Mm. And that was the challenge I was having is I was looking at it going, okay, we know we want to have rides. We know we want to do all these things. So I'm looking at parking. You know, can we accommodate a bunch of cyclists queuing up in front of the shop? You know, all those bits and pieces. And some of those boxes were just not getting checked. Also, I really wanted to have something that had character. I'm very much an anti-strip mall kind of guy. It works for some people, but 
I feel like strip malls kill the soul of retailing in America. And we live in a part of the state that has so much history. You look at, you know, this, this goes back to before the 1700s, some of the history that is here. So there's so much. And what I ended up doing is just going through and looking each area that I thought had the right characteristics. And for us being in the historic district had a huge plus. So it narrowed down the scope considerably. And it was one of those times where I'm like, all right, I'm going to go drive through, see what I missed. You know, it's a street that I've driven more than a hundred times. And I noticed this building, there was a for rent sign on the front of it. And it was this historic building that was about a hundred years old or so, clearly was at one point a residence and had been converted to commercial. And I looked at it and went, I think I found it. And it had this space out front where you could gather this porch, get out of the sun a little bit, all those pieces. And it just had this coastal charm that made you feel a little bit of New Orleans, a little bit of, of the South, and just kind of that sweet spot, right? And ended up calling the gentleman who owned it and started talking with him. We looked for the building and you know, walked through it. It had been an office space for a long time. And started kind of figuring out, you know, what could we do with the building and realized pretty quickly it about fit every need we needed. It definitely had some quirky factors to it since it had still basically all the rooms were there, but it was open, it was airy, and you walked in and, and you just saw the potential in that building without having to go all out and, you know, do something from the ground up. And it really resonated with the, the culture that's here, the history that's here. And so it was one of those, those moments where you go, this is it. And we signed the lease on it at the time and started working with the owner who was really easy going to work with. We, we connected well. We had looked at some other places and there was just kind of a friction with them. And it was like, no, we were in this for a long haul. I don't want to get into a, a challenging relationship there. He worked with us really well, redid the interiors, paint, electrical, the lighting, and really turned into this and you walk in and it's you know when you walk into those stores and you go ah i like this i love this i want to be here i just want to drop in at the end of the day to say hi because it makes me feel warm and fuzzy and that's what we really went for and designed the store to and then took the historic aspects of the building and put them to work you know it's on the retail side of it we've got a little over 1800 to 2000 square feet roughly and we've got in the building five fireplaces and four bathrooms <laughs> that so, building has a lot of history that's for sure a lot of history a lot of character and the fireplaces just become part of it the mantles display product one of them we ended up covering up but we use every aspect of it and every nook and cranny serves a purpose and it's just you know you can kind of browse and get lost a little bit and, and just enjoy yourself so you know it's definitely a tight space but it works well and we've been able to really make it work. And we've, the service side, everything else, for the most part, that's in, in another area um, that we have because we grew so quickly with it. But, you know, one of the benefits for me seeing out of Europe and England there, the small spaces they use there, and I look at it and go, yeah, this totally makes sense. I mean, they're doing what we're doing in a space that's half our size and they make it work is because everything is so much more compact there. But I think a little bit of compactness has also helped people to just enjoy the experience and be part of it. I think with COVID, that did present its challenges there for a bit, but we took a simple approach to it and just limited the number of people that were coming in the store at any given time. And people were really understanding and, 
and worked with us. And you're located right like downtown, correct? Like right in the yep. center. Yeah. So yeah, like we're, we're right in the historic district. I'm sure that you just people have people wandering into the store just to see <laughs> and to check it out. They, right? they do. We have a lot of people come in and just ask if they can look at the building. Like they're not really interested in bikes until they leave. When they see the energy, <laughs> they feel it. And we welcome anybody that just wants to come and take a tour of the building. We actually have a historic tour that rolls by our building about every day. And, you know, it's an open air tour. So I always go out there, try to welcome them to Biloxi. Even our sign, our sign is built out of a 200 year old piece of wood. It's still leaking sap. And I tell these people, look, when you're done with your tour, come back and see our building. They get to feel the energy of the shop. And before they know, they're interested in bikes. And it's not just bikes, though, right? Do you have you have running shoes and swim and? Yeah, we cover run and swim as well. It's a smaller segment of of business for sure, but we definitely want to have that aspect because there's plenty of cyclists that run, and there's no real running shop within our area that's immediately there. And we also carry swim because we are a mile away from the city pool and the natatorium. So that gives an opportunity for people to get some gear there as well. So we kind of want to encompass all those pieces that tend to come together. Bikes are definitely still, I think, our front and center for the most part. And Biloxi Bicycle Works was available for a name. So that's pretty cool, too. So you're, you're truly right. involved in the community. Nobody knows your bike shop better than you. But the people who might come the closest are other bike shop owners who are facing the same day-to-day and long-term challenges that you are. Joining a P2 group is one of the most affordable ways to take a deep dive into your business alongside other bike shop owners who are experts in what you do. Reach out today so we can tell you more about how a P2 group can make a difference in your business. Let's talk about the community involvement because that's a big piece here. You know, it was a leading part of your conversation of your mission vision. So did you start by approaching the local government or the local tourism? Like, how did you decide you were going to really become embedded in the community? So I think we took a look at it. I'm going to let Bart take most of this, but I want to want to preface this a little bit. One of the things we really wanted to do was, you know, as you mentioned, it's Blux of Bicycle Works, but... Also, if you look at our sign, we've incorporated all pieces of the community. The lighthouse that Bluxy is famous for is on there. The schooner is on there. People swimming uh, off the beach is on there. We're a quarter mile from the beach. The shrimp boats that Bluxy is famous for is on the sign. Those all pieces we put together. And I think one of the things as we started this, that introduction to the city starts with the planning, the permissions, you know, the sign permits, all of that. And so that allowed us to really take that and go, hey, we are really wanting to be part of the community because we incorporated all those aspects that have been here for so long into our brand from day one. And then from there, and and this is where Bart's going to jump in because this is his wheelhouse, really just working with the community and city leadership and all of that. So Bart, take that part away. (laughs) Yeah, and, and actually, I mean, when we were looking for the building, we definitely wanted a spot we could ride bikes from. So the building Daniel picked was right in that area that we put a dot on and said, okay, if we can get a building in this area, this is where to go. I was actually leading some rides from Biloxi before we opened up the shop. So I kind of had a group and a community of riders that was already kind of under my leadership and we were having fun doing it. So I was started off a little bit rogue. 
But like Daniel said, when we went to the city council for the first time to get our sign approved, since we're in the historic district, we automatically started seeing the overwhelming response from our city leaders, from people who care about Biloxi that showed up to that meeting. And they liked the sign. They liked that we incorporated old Biloxi into our business to start with. So then from there, that kind of opened the door to community relations with Biloxi. And we knew we couldn't just stay rogue. You know, we wanted this to be part of Biloxi and part of Biloxi's culture. So working with the city and our city officials, getting them on bikes, letting them see that this is not just a ragamuffin style of riders that, you know, they're actually the, the people that live in this community, the people that work in this community and their children that are growing up in this community are the ones that are interested in biking. So I think that helped in the beginning as far as letting the city know that we were responsible, that we were you know, trying to do good things for the community and not just drive business. So, you know, our, our mission really is to get people on bikes. And when we started, we saw so many people, you know, it's a casino town. So a lot of people live in Biloxi and they ride their bikes to work. And when we started, everybody had squeaky chains and bent rims and, you know, bikes that were making noise. And it didn't take long before we started fixing all those bikes. And a lot of it was just, we'd see someone rolling down the road with a squeaky chain. We'd say, come on over here. Let me loop that chain for you. You know, and after a while, everybody figured out we had good intentions and the community fed into that. So they saw that it wasn't just a, you know, a self-motivated profit building type of thing that we actually care. And we want people to enjoy the city they're living in. Of course, Biloxi has a tourist base. So anytime we can focus on, you know, lifestyle opportunity type of stuff, it does help the city shine in a better light. And the city embraced us when we started doing that and backed us. So I think that was a really big help is to have the city leaders and the local municipalities you know, looking to us to kind of help their city shine in a better light. So just the location and the overall, you know, feeling of what the city has given us has definitely helped drive more excitement to this area. Yeah. So it sounds like from the get go, you were just very communicative with the city about, you know, what your plans were, what your intentions are. And, and even now, as we're getting ready to host the P2 retailer meeting, we actually have a whole session planned around just, you know, tips and advice that we can give to BART to pass to the city to even improve the local infrastructure even more. So you're really the organization that's giving the advice to the city and working with them hand in hand, correct? That's correct. And a lot of it is because local knowledge. You know, the Biloxi doesn't, if you look at, if you just come to Biloxi as a tourist or someone new, you might not find the great places to ride right away. But we don't want people to give up on that. So we want to be that resource. When people come into town, where do we ride? I want to be able to answer that question. You know, we're showing data as far as heat maps, where the locals ride, because really Biloxi has a, a lot of fantastic riding and fantastic opportunities, but it's not showcased yet. So we are working on that. Of course, Biloxi is going through a huge infrastructure project. It's about 98% done. So as soon as we get everything done, I'll really be able to, you know, get these maps and, you know, using RideSpot and ride cards 
to actually stick because right now I'll come up with a route and next week the roads have changed, you know, so that's harder for a tourist to make those adjustments. Whereas locals know just turn right on this road and turn left on this road and you're out of that construction. But it's really hard for someone new at the moment. So, you know, dealing with the city and letting them see the future of what Biloxi could be really is instrumental in keeping everybody active because everybody wants to know where can we ride bikes safely? And we want to answer that question. We want the city to be able to answer that question. I love what you just said. Like, it's not necessarily going to be on any retailers, local city. They're not going to necessarily have the vision themselves. Someone has to give them the vision. Here's what's being done in other areas. And when the local bike shop can provide that vision, it's like, oh, wow. All of a sudden you are actually the center of the cycling community. You are the hub. (laughs) Right, right. And, you know, another angle that has worked well for us is even people that aren't into cycling that have to, you know, drive through the city. We're trying to make it where we're not going to interrupt their drive, you know, and it's nice to say more people on bikes is less cars on the road. Sometimes they don't quite understand that. But when you can show them how, you know, the a correct bicycle lane will let the car, when it comes up to an intersection, turn right. We're not blocking them. The cyclists aren't scared because they're backing up traffic. So it just shows everybody that, you know, we can all work together. And the better the cycling infrastructure is, the better everybody flows. And we are getting people that come into the shop that are asking those kind of questions that aren't cyclists. They'll say, wow, we saw one of your riders blocking traffic. I'm not sure how they figured out they were one of our riders. They were just someone on a bicycle. But it does get them in there and it lets them know that we want to work with drivers and walkers as well as get around town ourselves. So I think, you know, just having that cohesiveness is showing people that it works well for everybody, not just bicyclists, but, you know, it works well better for vehicle drivers, for delivery drivers, and for people trying to walk on the sidewalks, you know? So I think having that little knowledge base of education is spreading over multiple platforms, which gives us a better light and it gives cyclists a better light. Like we don't want to impede traffic, but sometimes we don't have a choice. But if the city gives us that direction and shows us where to be, all of a sudden everything flows better. Yeah. So we've got all these cyclists coming, you're you're hosting group rides, you've got tourists coming through the front door. How are you keeping in touch and contact with all of these customers, like to let them know if there's an event happening or that you have a new product? Are you capturing emails when people come in the door or what's that look like? How's your communication? So a big part of it has been social media and particularly Facebook to that extent. And Bart's really been the driver of that on the retail side of of our business. We grew this initially without any advertising dollars and was just purely social media outreach, planting our flag on Google Maps, basically. So very organically grown there. Now, as time has gone by, we've started standardizing some of that a bit more to fit the needs of what the community is. We're definitely working more on the email side than we have in the past. Um, One of the things we recently rolled out is an events calendar that's hosted on our website. And one of the features with it is, is you can subscribe to it. So you can actually add it to your own calendar as a second calendar. You can get email notifications from it if you want, or it just shows up there. And We put events on there the Friday group rides, other local events, and you know, some of the recent bike rides that have happened and all that we put on there, promote that to people. And the response on that has been great. We've had people subscribing to it, getting those alerts, everything else, and it just drives more engagement within the community. So I think as the world is settling a little bit back to normal, we're starting to move more to some of those traditional channels in, in communicating with people. 
but we still heavily use social media as well to engage with customers. It's been an absolutely crucial part of the business. Yeah, that social media has really, really helped, but it has some weak points too, especially if you're putting up a couple posts a day, people miss things because it gets scrolled down. And then there's some people that just don't do social media. I mean, we're right outside the gates of Keesler Air Force Base. And I think, you know, not being in the military myself, but there's some restrictions to what these guys could be on social media. So that's why we came up with this calendar. And I think Daniel's picked a great calendar. We do spend a lot of time putting events, uh, not only our Biloxi Bicycle Work events, but the local cycling club, we put their events on there, the running club, you know, things I hear about. I do have my finger on the pulse of cycling. So a lot of event coordinators are now calling us and or emailing us, sending us literature to their events. And we add that on. for We don't charge for that. We don't charge for the calendar. We just do it kind of as so people can schedule their vacations, schedule time off, know ahead of time what events are coming up. And it's been great. I mean, I, we have people calling us, asking us how they can, you know, get notifications. And we tell them it's easy. You know, we're not going to bombard you with emails. But if you want to know where these cycling events are, of course, sign up for it. So I think that was a great idea, Daniel, that the calendar has been instrumental. I love that. There's so many pieces there that I love. So it's not only like a calendar that I can go and just subscribe to and automatically have it uploaded to mine, but you are actually listing non-Biloxi site, you're actually listing just events happening in the community as well that are athletic-based. So you're really working in partnership with all these clubs and organizations, which is just so much goodwill and just builds a local community around your calendar and around, you know, just, it builds the community, just like- Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's so important. And it becomes a feedback loop that just you know, comes back to us. And the reality is in any kind of business, and I think any endeavor, if you go out going, you know, I want, I want, everyone's going to see through that and they're going to go, okay, whatever. However, if you're actually engaging with the community and giving first and putting yourself out there, you're going to get such a better response. And I think that's the difference between mass market retail, you know, the big box stores of the world, we shan't name names, but you go to those and it's like their effort in the community is really token based and that's it. They don't do a lot else. Whereas I think that the scale we operate at and the mindset that we have is really about be part of that community, be that engagement, be that, that nucleus where stuff happens and then it, it draws people in. Yeah. And I want to stay there for a second because Bart, for me, you've been just a shining role model. For me, I follow you on social media and you are your authentic self. You're an athlete. You're constantly, you know, wearing the Biloxi Cycle Works colors. You're posting when you're, you know, maybe hitting a new PR or a cycling event, trying something new or leading a group ride. And I feel like I really know you and I trust you. And I feel like that must resonate with your community. Do you hear that from people who follow you? I I do. I do. And I don't do it as an ego stroke. Um, I don't think you do. But it is nice when people recognize me as a local cyclist, as someone that's willing to help. I get people saying, hey, Bart, I don't know you, but my friend recommended that I asked you a few questions, you know? So I really, I really like that. And I do find a lot of, you know, reward out of that, out of helping people. As a lifetime cyclist, you kind of take it for granted people's skill levels sometimes. So, you know, sometimes when someone's starting out a a six mile, 
easy paced loop is tough for them. And I see it and I have compassion for that. So, you know, I try to let everybody know that they're welcome on any type of bike. But I also have to be careful in that because there's some rides that are just going to put people in a situation where they're feeling overwhelmed. So I'm learning as this goes on to kind of categorize rides. Going back to our calendar, we're use, trying to use different color codings and even filters for people that just want a social beach ride to someone that wants more of a fitness-based ride to someone that wants a hammer session. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so me throwing myself into unfamiliar territory, you know, I'll jump into a duathlon, a triathlon, a mountain bike race, a road race, a gravel race. And at one time, my ego didn't let me do things that I might not hit a podium on. I'm okay now just entering something to be part of it. And, you know, I let people know that you don't, we have a lot of people that say, hey, look, when I get in shape, I'll come ride with you. I'm like, no, come ride with us this weekend. You're going to fit right in. You know, you don't have to be that level of athlete. And me being able to throw myself out into unfamiliar territory, letting people know it's all right. I do do some YouTube videos. So I've been really honest about, you know, my level of fitness isn't where it was. So I'm going to have to learn how to race for fun. And it does show people that it's okay. You know, you don't always have to be that level of cyclist or athlete to enjoy some of these events to put on a number plate. Sometimes it's being just part of the camaraderie. So I, I try to let people know it's okay. Yeah, I feel like it's so good for us to show our customers that we do ride and that we do try things and to show them what equipment we use and for our staff members to do that. I want to jump over, Daniel. I mean, I know you're doing a lot of the purchasing for the store. A tricky time right now in the industry. How has it been just navigating supply? Supply has, I think, been safe to say challenging for everyone. I do feel that we have been very fortunate because our approach always has been is loyalty and partnership with our vendors and with pretty much anyone that we work with. We've always had a very long-term view. You know, I certainly have even before Bart and I started working together. And, you know, one of the brands that we first started out with when we were early days, and, and frankly, I'm surprised anyone said yes to us, was Marin Bikes. And they really turned into a great partner. They worked with us through some of our stumblings and initial challenges that we had and have become an amazing partner. And the way they handled the supply chain constraints was, in my opinion, stand out amongst a lot of the other brands out there and really helped us sustain our business throughout this time, um, but also to grow. So, you know, we fortunately had great partnership with them and still do, as I I had, but then still absolutely still do. Uh, But we had it with other vendors as well. And we're really able to, for the most part, stay ahead of the curve as much as we could. I think everyone had challenges and we certainly got hit with challenges as well, but we were able to spread that out reasonably well. And that gave us, I think, a lot more to work with during the pandemic and the supply chain constraints that others that may not have had the benefit of those kind of relationships. Yeah, I noticed from our personal friendship that you really value suppliers and brands that work close with you and keep you informed. It's really important to you, those relationships. You know, the news of a major brand shifting D to C, supplier-owned stores, any thoughts just for the industry in general on how to survive and thrive forward? Yeah, I think... One of the things with a major brand, I think one of the big challenges there, and and as we mentioned earlier, we've been in the online space. I think 
you know, online, I'm not afraid of it. What I, I do think is that we need to serve people where they're at, but more importantly, it is how we do it. And it's how those relationship works. Stephen Colbert, he did recently an interview, I can't remember if it was Wired or one of the other media, and it was just kind of a little background information, right? And one of his things that he said was, big rule in life is don't be a dick. Um, if I can say that out loud on the, on the podcast here, if I can't, then don't be a jerk. And that is so true in life and in business as well is, you know, stuff changes. It happens, right? But it's how you approach that. It's how you communicate that. That is all the difference. And I think that is a huge part of the challenges of the shift, the D2C shift that you were referencing. And that's where I think where people are really frustrated with it because there's a lot of challenges with it. Now, moving forward for the industry, and we're still in early days of it, but we've got a lot of things that we're planning there that I won't dive in here. But I think one of the crucial things is for retail to come together in a way that they've never done before, because you have to look at this from not only the standpoint of us as retailers working with our customer base and our community engagement, but also from the brands that are working with us, right? They want to have predictability. They want to have reliable partners they're working with, and they want to reach their customers. They want to move product ultimately. And the more we as an industry can do that collaboratively and together and have a more unified front, I think the better that is. We are definitely working in some areas there that I'm hoping to be able to share soon, but I'm really excited about what the future can potentially hold for retail. Yeah, I think the retail is still thriving. You know, I'm still, I'm very optimistic about the future. And there is a lot going on right now, but collectively, yeah, I think we can really make a big impact. Any plans for expansion? You said the store is, you know, tiny, but good, but, you know, anything, you know, extra storage space, anything in that regard? Yeah. So, yeah, we are looking at things there in terms of expansion, growing further within an area that we feel we're comfortable with. You know, with retail, one of the things that the pandemic did, interestingly enough, while online really grew strongly, I think with the pandemic subsiding, retail is going to get a resurgence out of it. Because let's face it, all of us are pretty sick and tired of buying our stuff online and not being around people. As introverted or however we might be, we still miss being around people. We're still social creatures, right? To whatever extent, you know, whether we're the outgoing party type or just cool hanging around people. And we've certainly seen some of that where people just, they want to just go in and experience life normally. So I think retail itself is going to get a resurgence from that. And I think we're going to see some adjustments in the online space too. And overall, I think across it, it is definitely going to be people want to buy where they want to buy and what they're comfortable with and where their product is available. But we are looking at those opportunities and really excited for the potential that is there long-term and taking what I would consider as a holistic approach to it. Yeah, the bicycle retailer in their community has such an important impact on their community. And I feel like people are just ready to be healthy again, to be outside, to take these new bikes that they've purchased or have yet to purchase and have a spot to go use them, you know, have a family ride that's organized on Saturday that they can sign up for and go do. Bart, you know, just advice for people who are listening, you know, who want to make an impact on their community, but maybe like, who do they talk to at their local city government official? Like, where do they start, Bart? What should they do? Well, luckily I was able to start with the mayor. 
So the mayor, I put him on an e-bike. I had an interview with him. I brought an e-bike with me to the parking lot, asked him if he wouldn't mind stepping outside and getting on that. He almost didn't want to give it back. There we go. <laughs> I mean, the someone took a picture of him on the e-bike riding it and Mayor Fofo riding through Biloxi. I mean, and that kind of sparked it. It was when the mayor, the head of the city can embrace it. Everybody kind of follows that. So the mayor... City engineers, they always ask, well, we need to talk to the mayor about that. You know who was influential for us was the local police chief, the police department, some of the police officers. And luckily, we're only a couple blocks from the police and the fire station. And a lot of them, you know, they have to keep their health up. So they were popping into the shop. The mayor got good feedback on us from the local cities, you know, workers and, you know, first responders. And, and I think all that stuff helps. I do involve myself with several, you know, after hours groups of Bluxy Businessmen's Association. So most towns have a Businessmen's Association. And I'm finding that they're first, they invited me for a award, an image award, because they thought we were helping Bluxy become a better image. And I sat down and I looked at these guys and I said, you know, these guys care about Bluxy. You know, there's a lot of old school Biloxi businessmen and a lot of new, you know, some new ideas as well. So I became part of that organization. I'm working on some economic development organizations as well. So I do a lot of things after the bike shop closes to keep myself, you know, involved with the movers and shakers of the city. Because I want to make sure that we have lifestyle activity, you know, focused into not into the business. Luckily, Biloxi has a strong economy and they do because our leaders have kind of focused on economic gains, but they're realizing in this day and age, people want more than just a strong economic background. People want lifestyle, you know, to attract, you know, young professionals to the coast. We have to give them lifestyle opportunities to compete with other, you know, tourism markets. We have to provide more than just relaxation. We have to provide adventure to go with that relaxation. So, you know, if your area does have a tourist bureau, if you're at all tourist based, definitely get with a tourist bureau. They love a picture of a bicycle on their flyer. And I do work with not only our state Mississippi Tourist Bureau, our regional tourist bureau, and our local tourist bureau. So all three of those now know who Biloxi Bicycle Works is. You know, they send articles our way and in ways for us to engage in the community and the state, which does put our area in a, in a good light. So anytime you can show your area in a good light, I think it helps the image of the city and your city leaders will like it. Traffic control, make sure you don't have just bicycles going willy-nilly all over the streets, you know? They like when things are, you know, a little bit controlled, when things are led, you know, and before a group ride, have a plan, you know, make sure you inform these people of what the plan is going to be so people just aren't scattered all over the place. And when the city sees that you're actually giving leadership and people like that leadership, I think it goes a long way. So, you know, along with the city leaders also is you being a leader yourself and trying to do the right things. So I think, you know, the mayor, city council, local chamber of commerce, you know, any of those things can start connecting you in the right area. But be engaged. Don't just sit back and listen, you know, be part of the meetings. So many good tips there. And you made me think early on, like how great it would be if we just took one evening and designated like two hours where we invited other local businesses, when we invited the city officials to our shop and we maybe had a little mixer and put them on bikes and just introduced them to the shop, you know, if they haven't been in yet. So right. 
we have done that and it's turned out great. And some of it was education. I brought a bunch of beach cruisers down or, or for the city, I brought some e-bikes in and they asked Bart, why don't we ride on the sidewalk? Well, for one here, it's illegal, but I didn't throw that in their face. But I said, well, let's give it a try, guys. And it only took a few city blocks of them riding down the sidewalk before they figured out, hey, Bart, this is not the best place to ride. But if they hadn't tried it, you know, when they're driving by in their car, they see a bike in the street. They're wondering, why isn't that guy on the sidewalk? But after you put that bike in their hand and you let them try it, then they're much more compassionate to why the bicycle is in the sidewalk. And, you know, another question I asked is or was asked was, why don't we ride into traffic so we can see the cars coming at us? For us as cyclists, we understand that. But you got to understand their point, too, is they hadn't been on bikes for a long time and they don't know why we're riding in their lane. So I said, well, guys, let's give it a try. And once again, it only took a couple city blocks before they figured out, wow, we need to turn around and go with traffic. So some of those things help in those mixers, too, because it does educate without shoving it down someone's throat. You know, they're asking questions and you're answering those questions in the nicest way or even in a more practical way where you put them on a bike and you say, let's try this. So it's, those things really do help, really help, I think, relationships in the long run. Because if you're trying to ride a bike and you get buzzed by a car, the next time you're in a car, you're thinking about that bicycle rider. So the more you can make it fun and the more people you get on bikes, and it doesn't matter if it's an e-bike or a beach cruise or a high-end road bike, gravel bike, a mountain bike, the more people on bikes, the more people understand why we need infrastructure. So so all those things really help in come bringing a community together, I think. There's so much here. I can't believe we've already been talking for almost an hour. We haven't even really dove into like how many employees you have and all this other <laughs> stuff I want to know. I mean... Daniel, you are so just intelligent and so dialed in every move you make for the business. I know this because of our relationship. I'm sure there's people who are listening who might want to know, like, what's it like to be in a historic building? What's it like to work as a partnership? What's it like to go from online to brick and mortar? Might you share your contact information if anyone had any additional questions or if anyone's coming to Biloxi and wants to look you up, Bart, or how can we get a hold of you guys? Yeah, I think the easiest thing is is just contact us at the shop. The website has our email number and our phone number on there. And that way it goes to our service team and they'll make the connection and we'll just get a time scheduled and, and make something happen. I think it's the easiest thing to do there bluxybicycleworks.com so awesome and i do love talking with people in the bicycle industry i'm so involved with my customers when they come in the shop i mean sometimes i can't even take daniel's call because i'm i'm talking (laughs) to someone but i really do as soon as the shop closes or i get a moment i love talking to people in our industry one because i get to learn things and share ideas and i like that whole interaction so please just know i'm all about the bicycle i'm about the bicycle industry if anybody out there would love to have a conversation please do and i have used this Heather, because i watch bicycle retail radio so there's times when people have shared their contact information and i took it i called nick Hague. i've called frank mcmillan you know i've talked to these people that you've interviewed and it all has been so valuable to me so if at all i could be valuable to someone else i am there for you Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. I mean, I got goosebumps up and down because sometimes people are like, you know, what is going on over there? And I'm like, (laughs) 
I'm like, the more people we bring on the show, the more authentic and real we are. And yeah, we all need each other in some way. So Bart, thank you. By the time this episode airs, I'll have already come to Biloxi. I'll have already experienced it. I genuinely cannot wait. We are doing like yoga on the pool deck. We have rides planned. I'm looking forward to seeing Biloxi personally and looking forward to seeing the shop expansion, seeing both of you again. Thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing a little bit of the magic that is Biloxi Cycle Works and the two of you. Absolutely my pleasure. All right, listeners, that is it. I invite you to connect with me, come on Bicycle Retail Radio, share your story. So much love for the industry. Head over to MBDA online. There's lots of great webinars coming up. If you're a first-time listener, be sure to check out the previous episodes of Bicycle Retail Radio. Do us a favor, leave a review. I know I ask all the time, but it does help us be found on search engines. This podcast is designed specifically for the bicycle industry. We are dedicated to strengthening our retailers and cycling community. Thanks so much. And with this, we go. This has been Bicycle Retail Radio by the National Bicycle Dealers Association. For more information on membership, and member benefits, join us at nbda.com. Mm-hmm.